Hi, my name is Jack Shannon. Welcome to St. Athanasius Podcast. What is Three Streams Anglicanism? Well, it is a movement that uh, started in the 70s, sometimes it's often called the Convergence Movement, and from, from what I've gathered, it is uh, Pentecostals and Charismatics who began to recover kind of church history, began to study liturgy, began to be interested in the church Catholic, um, and they really started to kind of combine, converge these different uh, streams of Christianity that they had been part of. Uh, and typically it's broken down into the three streams would be the uh, spiritual, the sacramental, and the scriptural. And so the spiritual, the spirit, would be the kind of charismatic stream of the church, the Pentecostal stream, the stream which uh, is open to the gifts of the Spirit, speaking in tongues, prophecy, impressions, um, these kinds of things, which uh, I think are very much alive today. And it's, it's a shame that uh, certain areas of the church, like the Reformed world, just gives very lame explanations of why they don't occur. I think mainly because there's a lot of abuse in the charismatic and Pentecostal realm. And uh, they, they, I think, I think there's, a, I think there is a lot of pride in the reformed world and they don't want to be associated with these kind of embarrassing um, other tribes in the in the church and so you know they they need to repent of that and and just kind of take scripture at face value and these phenomenological experiences that have occurred in most of the church um, uh, throughout the throughout the world in the past uh, hundred years or so and and then throughout church history in various places as well um, oftentimes so I would be very sympathetic with that um, I would describe our church as a three streams church not Anglican for various reasons but uh, I, I would I would describe it as three streams the other aspect of kind of the charismatic or, or Pentecostal would be more contemporary worship which we do not have at our church and I would not push for. I don't have anything against it in principle. Um, I think that contemporary worship can be fine, um, but I, I do prefer a more traditional um, type of worship, kind of like modeled after the Book of Common Prayer um, or even kind of traditional, uh, uh, traditional Roman Catholic masses. Um, I don't have a problem with that form of worship. I think it's really good actually. Um, probably, but the main difference would be, um, uh, I would, I would incorporate like, uh, this, the, and we do this at our church, I incorporate the spiritual, the gifts of the spirit, the kind of extemporaneous and spontaneous aspects of the, the spirit moving. And we do that every Sunday, um, give people opportunity to prophesy or pray, um, and if they pray in tongues, then they can interpret. So that's that's one that's one stream. Another stream would be the uh, sacramental uh, stream, and that would be more of your Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, Lutheran, uh, Anglican, 
um, and some Presbyterian, like the Mercersburg theology guys, like John Nevin and, and Philip Schaff. Uh, some modern proponents of that would be more like uh, Peter Lightheart or James Jordan, and uh, uh, Eastern Orthodox guy would be uh, uh, Alexander Schmemann for the Life of the World, and he has some other good stuff on liturgy. There's, there's a lot of so the sacramental would be very much a robust understanding of the importance of baptism, the importance of the Lord's Supper, the importance of ceremony, the potency of ceremony and symbolism. And usually on that kind of understanding of symbolism and uh, ceremony and the significance of that transfers into kind of typological understandings of scripture, uh, which is um, very similar to how, how uh, uh, people would people just read literature um, when you're in tune with these kinds of things you realize that the whale in Moby Dick isn't just about a whale um, and that it's uh, it's it's Captain Ahab's hatred for God and that the chapters on whaling are kind of an anti-Leviticus where Leviticus gives us this excruciating detail of how to get closer to God through sacrifice and ceremony and how to regulate sex and violent death and, and all of these things. Uh, uh, it's how to get closer to God and the, the chapters in Moby Dick about whales are how to kill God, a kind of anti-Leviticus, this, this anti-Christ kind of literature. And that comes, I, I would say, from a sacramental worldview, from a way of viewing the world sacramentally, um, that that I, another way would may, maybe even be poetically and it's kind of a a common thing to to say that good literature recently at least hasn't come out of protestant circles and and peter lightheart has said one reason for this is because protestants typically are not very sacramental uh, there's obviously problems with uh, overly sacramental view of the world uh, just as there's a problem there can be problems with any kind of emphasis um, but I would, I'm very sympathetic with that. I think, I think the Bible, um, teaches this. The Bible shows us that the world is sacramental, that, that, uh, righteous men are like well-rooted trees by, you know, planted by streams of living water. Um, the, that the flood is a type of baptism. I mean, there's so much poetic thinking in the Bible and Jesus even rebukes his disciples for not thinking this way and not understanding these things. And so I think we are enthusiastically invited to, to uh, start viewing the world this way, viewing the world through new eyes, as James Jordan has written about, which I would highly recommend that book. Uh, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, they, they hear Jesus explain these things, and then they, they aren't able to fully see who Jesus is until they bite into the consecrated bread, the, the bread that Jesus blesses, that he gives thanks for, and he feeds them bread, and and I think there's a highly Eucharistic thing going on here. And so there's kind of a mysterious aspect going on. And Protestantism has been involved in a lot of demystification of the world. And that, there's, there's, good, there's good things to that. But I think we, we should recover kind of a sacramental view of, uh, of the world, of the church, of uh, the sacramental life in the church. And uh, uh, at St. Athanasius, we have... We, we celebrate the Eucharist every Sunday, and uh, uh, when we come to the Lord's table and we give thanks, and uh, um, he feeds his people, and that's a really great thing. And um, 
So that would be this, another stream. The third stream would be the scriptural stream, which is the biggest strength of Protestantism, is the insistence on the Word of God as the ultimate authority, which I fully subscribe to, absolutely believe. And I think that this, while not without its problems, is far better than the Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox uh, answers to these questions. And um, I think it's produced more faithful. The, the laity is, I think, I think people who are, who are encouraged to read the Bible themselves and to have a, have a vibrant uh, uh, life in the prayer closet are going to cultivate more serious, seriously intense relationship with, with, a, with the living God. And um, so that the scriptural element would be another thing that we are maintaining, the three streams are maintaining, um, that the word of God is powerful and, and, and important and it, and it slices and dices you up and it offers you up to God as a, as a living sacrifice, just like the, Levitic, the, just like the Levitical priest Took the, took the swords and uh, cut up the animals and offered them to God, so too uh, the new covenant priests, the new covenant presbyters, uh, slice up the congregants and offer them up to God. Um, that's a provocative way to put it, but that's what the Word of God does, and there are people who are dedicated to the ministering of the Word of God, and, and when that Word is preached, it is like a sword being inserted into the people, and, and it, that's, that's when it's good preaching. That's when, when people are transformed, when they are killed by the word and, and resurrected into new life. That's a good thing. And uh, so we don't want to diminish the word. We want to keep the word in, uh, uh, as, a, as a very important element. And that plays itself out in our church, at least, where we our sermons are not homilies. of you know, They're not 12-minute homilies, which... I don't necessarily have a huge problem with, but they're not also lectures that last for an hour either. Um, they're about a half hour, and so we want to get deep into the word, but we don't want to get too academic and too. Uh, uh, we don't want to turn it into a college lecture hall. We want to feed the people, get them to understand the word, and uh, to live, to be obedient to the word, get it in their bones, um, not just in their heads, but in their in their hearts so that it's lived out. So I think, um, I think that this approach is really great. I, um, uh, there's, you know, other traditions, which simply, uh, most of the other traditions that I have profited immensely from the reform tradition, particularly is just very anti spirit. I would, I know that they don't like that, but they are, they are anti spirit in the charismatic Pentecostal, uh, uh, understanding of that. And, um, so I think that the three streams approach within Anglicanism is really good. And I also would fully admit and that there are Anglicans who really dislike this form of Anglicanism because Anglicanism, as it was established back in the 16th and 17th century, definitely had a more reformed uh, bent to it. It was certainly more Calvinistic, the Via Media, is uh, often now um, in reference, people use that in reference to the Anglican Church being somewhere between uh, Catholicism and Protestantism, but the Anglicanism as it was established, if you read the 39 articles, you read Thomas Cranmer, 
it's more the Via Media is more of a a middle way between uh, Geneva and Wittenberg, so it's kind of a, a mixture of Lutheranism and Calvinism. And um, excuse me, as far as the sacraments go, I'd probably be more Lutheran. But as far as uh, you know, certainly even even more uh, as far as like covenants go, and, and uh, I would probably be more Calvinistic. Um, but so. You have, Cal you have Anglicanism as it was established being that kind of via media between Wittenberg and Geneva. Um, and, then it, and then I think you could probably argue there with the Caroline Divines. I have not read enough of these guys. I'd like to read more in Richard Hooker. Um, I, think, I think that there's probably an even, even stronger moderation of Calvinism um, where where Richard Hooker is really being, he's, he's pushing against Thomas Cartwright, a Puritan, and the Puritans are very anti-papist. Anti they want to get rid of vestments. They are, uh, and, and I would say from what I've seen with a lot of these Anglicans, they seem to be more Puritan. <laughs> and, um, and Richard Hooker is kind of maintaining that these ceremonies that Rome doesn't own these ceremonies that these are just part of our Christian heritage and um, that uh, the Puritans were too extreme and I would agree with him on that I think that they were perhaps that was the best thing for them at the time but uh, uh, I'm definitely more in that camp and then uh, and, the, and then you have and I'm still learning about a lot of these things I've read uh, uh, I've read some of Richard Hooker's work. I've read um, uh, Vernon Staley's uh, The Catholic, I can't remember what it's called, The Catholic Faith or something. It's an introduction into basically an Anglo-Catholic uh, realm, and, and I've read some other things from the Tractarians. But, but so you move to the 19th century in the middle of the, the 1800s, and you have this Catholic movement take place within England. They're called the Tractarians, and I think it, John Keeble, I think he gave this sermon and there's so much good stuff with the Tractarians. I really like them a lot. It was a it was a it was a call back to appreciation of the of the church fathers. It was a call to holiness, to take holiness seriously. And from what I could tell, it seems like the kind of mainstream Anglicanism had become kind of dull lectures and academic and just destitute of the spirit. And to me, it seems like the Tractarians. They may they may have gone too far. They may have gone too Catholic, and but I really when I read them I really appreciate them. And uh, you have you know guys like uh, uh, John Henry Newman. He eventually goes Roman Catholic, but you have other guys like uh, Edward Pusey. I think he remained an Anglican his whole life. And uh, these guys are really pushing for holiness. The the Anglo-Catholic movement was really taking care of the poor. They were very mission-minded and evangelistic within London, doing ministry in the slums in England. and uh, But they were highly ceremonial, recovering a lot of, uh, a lot of the kind of, uh, at least historic uh, English um, ceremonies, which, which would be Roman Catholic. You, you could conflate those, or maybe they just were Roman Catholic. But the, the English church didn't start in the Reformation. It, it started, I think, back in, I think, in the 600s, maybe, maybe even before that. Um, 
with Augustine, uh, Augustine of Canterbury, not Augustine of Hippo. And uh, uh, I'm actually reading Bede's History of the English People. I think that's what it's called. I'm, I'm going to start reading that. I haven't read it yet. But, I mean, the English church goes far back. Po you know, possibly even the legend is that Joseph of Arimathea actually brought Christianity there. And, I mean, it's a, it's a complicated history from there. But, um, uh, you know, so the, the Anglican church didn't start in the Reformation. So, and then, uh, and then you have in the 20th century and, and you have basically... I would say the Tractarians, the, the, this Catholic stream, really, uh, really won out in a lot of ways. You look at the vestments, um, like for example, the mitres that bishops wear, where it has the two, it'll have two kinds of, uh, uh, two, I don't know what you would call them, um, there's kind of two fabric threads coming out of of the the back of the mitre represents the old testament and the new testament and a bishop's mitre is also also representative of the flames of fire uh that came down on on the uh, apostles which bishops are supposed to be the successor of the apostles which i don't think i buy into apostolic succession but uh but that i think is a particularly roman catholic vestment and anglicans have basically picked that up you look at justin welby and he's wearing that mitre and before the tractarians i don't think that this was the case so that's one small example of the this kind of catholic movement within anglicanism kind of winning out in some ways and then the 20th century comes along and you have just tons of pentecostal and charismatic movements and the anglican church incorporating them particularly after the 70s and people really liking the Book of Common Prayer and, and things like this and forming kind of this mixture of charismatic, Pentecostal, Catholic, and Protestant uh, traditions. And I think it's great. And uh, these kind of Reformed Catholics really hate it. Ang some Anglo-Catholics, I think, really dislike it. And uh, um, so those are that I would say those are the that's kind of the streams that you have or the um, the the spectrum in Anglicanism the kind of Calvinistic reformed Anglicanism that was that was like as it was established in the 16th and 17th century then you have the Anglo-Catholics some sometimes even called Anglo-Papalists that are just very Roman Catholic in a lot of ways um, prayers to saints and 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 a high view of mary and and these kinds of things but there are distinctions between that and rome which i'd be happy to uh, uh explain um maybe in another video and then right in the middle of that is this kind of three streams anglicanism which i think is phenomenal i think it's really great um and i probably would be the acna is kind of like this but the ACNA is pretty, I think it's going liberal. I mean, they have, it's a mixed, like they allow parishes to have, to determine whether they want women as priests and, uh, which priest is just a, a contracted form of presbyter, um, which is elder. So priest and elder is interchangeable in a lot of ways, but yeah, women can't be elders. So that's a problem. And then even the most conservative Anglican churches, uh, permit divorce and remarriage so I'm not part of an Anglican communion but I would seriously consider it if they if they actually started to deal with the divorce and remarriage in their own ranks but that is uh, kind of a, a short explanation of what three streams Anglicanism is or what a three streams church is which is what 
we are. St. Athanasius Church is a three streams church. So, uh, all right. Have a good one. Oh.